0: Reality Church is a church striving to be biblical. We pray that this sermon would help you in your personal walk. Be blessed. All right, I want to start um, talking about God's mercy by reading a prayer uh, of the Puritans from the Valley of Vision. I took a pencil and wrote in all of the translation I had to do for us to make us be able to understand it. <laughs> so I can erase it later if I want to. If not, it's in there. Uh, but this is a prayer of penitence and deprecation. Penitence being being truly repentant and deprecation meaning not lifting myself up but knowing that God is higher than me. In this case. Somewhere. In this case, yeah. Oh. Self deprecating. Y'all y'all heard self de self deprecating humor, that's where you kinda make fun of yourself. Oh. Well this is deprecation in the Christian term is basically saying, okay, oh. not I'm gonna diminish myself to lift God higher, basically. God of the publican. Isn't that a great way to start it? Let's think about that. You know the publican who Are went in. Publican? Not the Republicans. Oh. <laughs> God of the publican Be merciful to me, a sinner. This I am by nature and practice. This your word proclaims me to be. This I hope and feel myself to be. Yet you have not left me to despair. For there is no maybe in your grace. I have all the assurance I need that with you is plenteous redemption. In spite of the number and heinousness of my sins, you have given me a token for good. The golden scepter is held out, and you have said, Touch it and live. May I encourage myself by a sense of your all-sufficiency, by faith in your promises, by views of the experience of others. To that dear refuge in which so many have sheltered from every storm, May I rest in that fountain always freely open for sin. May I be cleansed from every defilement. Sin is that abominable thing which your soul hates, and this alone separates you and me. You cannot contradict the essential perfections of your nature. You cannot make me happy with you till you have made me holy like you. O Holy God, make me such a creature as you can take pleasure in, and such a being that I can take pleasure in you. May I consent to and delight in your law after the inner man. Never complain over the strictness of your demands, but mourn over my lack of conformity to them. Never question your commandments, but esteem them to be right. By your Spirit within me, May my practice spring from principle and my dispositions be conformable with duty. That is an amazing prayer. And it's a prayer on the mercies of God. Mercy that we need to understand clearly we do not deserve is mercy. Mercy. Mercy that can change us all fundamentally, if we will meditate on it. Um, So let's get into that great mercy. Um, Now, here the infallible, inspired Word of God, page one thirty-four in your uh, condensed versions, non-condensed. Hope for the best. Exodus, Exodus thirty-three, verse nineteen. Exodus thirty-three nineteen. What's the attribute? Mercy? Exodus yeah. Exodus thirty-three nineteen. Spelled E X O D U S. It's like blank. Oh my goodness, it must not be King James. <laughs> they've been taking they taking it out of the Bible. They took it out of the Bible. See? That's the devil for you. He's got his own version over there. 35. 134. Look <laughs> 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 And here. I got a new book. But I, I it anybody is. Anybody. Oh. Yeah. Exodus what? Exodus. 33, 19. All right. <laughs> All right. So... Now hear the infallible, inspired word of God. Exodus thirty-three, nineteen, 19. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. Let's pray. God, we are so thankful for your word that it is infallible inspired and inerrant that we can count on it God that you inspired every word of it there's no word that's accidental there's no word that was just written by man God you inspired every single jot and tittle as as Jesus said so we believe all of it God and we just ask that you would help our minds to be open to it God remove the veil that we may see your attribute of mercy clearly described to us Holy Spirit illuminate our path That the word may be a light to our feet and a lamp to our path. And God, we trust what you say. For God, what we read in your word is what you have said. And we are thankful for that. Sanctify us by your truth. Your word is truth. In Christ's name, amen. 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 So, this is God. He's fixing to pass before Moses, basically. And Moses wants to see his face, but he said, "I'm not going to let you see my face. I'll pass before you." He said, "I'm going to proclaim my name, the Lord." Now, do you guys notice something? There's something interesting I'd like to tell you all about. Do you see the word Lord there? Mm -hmm. Notice each letter. It's all capitalized. It's all capitalized. Do you know what that means? That that specific translation is Yahweh, God. That's when he's saying his name. If you ever see, mainly in the Old Testament, if you ever see that word Lord with lowercase, it means basically the sovereign. It's basically a descriptor. That's why, um, like, uh, you know the verse, the Lord said unto my Lord? It's basically saying the sovereign said unto God Yahweh. So the Lord God, a lot of times when it says the Lord God, what it's saying actually is the Sovereign God Yahweh, or basically Adonai Yahweh, or Yahweh Elohim. Depending on how you do it, there's so many different ways. It's very cool. But let's get something straight. Do you see what he says here? He says, "I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy." But before that, he said, "I will be gra- I will be gracious." To whom I will be gracious. So, let's get this first thing first. Mercy is not grace, okay? We've talked about what grace is. Mercy is not the same thing as grace. I think a lot of times in our own heads, that's what we think of, that mercy is the same, same thing as grace, but it's not. And there's an easy way that we could know this uh, basically in kind of, the, the scope of Scripture, and we see an interaction that God has that we can see that mercy is not grace. Um, there's, this is how we can know this, okay? Because the angels of heaven get His grace, but not His mercy. Go with me. This one's a little deeper than some of the stuff we've done before. But the angels in heaven get His grace, but they don't get his mercy. Why? Because mercy according and this is what AW Pink says, mercy presupposes sin. Basically, the only way to get mercy is after you have sinned. Okay? So God made and elected his angels, right? And sin is no issue with them, okay? Now I know what you're thinking, but let's go there, okay? He kept his two-thirds. He kept his two-thirds of the host of heaven. the host of the angels, right? And we know that one-third apostatized with Satan, right? His angels will not sin against God. They won't. Satan's will never be redeemed or receive his mercy. Period. In fact, hell was made for the devil and his angels. Have you all ever read that? Mm -hmm. So, the angels that are in heaven right now are not going to sin against God. And the ones who already have sinned against God are never going to receive His mercy. Therefore, there is no presupposition of sin for God to be merciful to the angels. Yet, they do receive His grace. Y'all want to know how? He made Christ the head of His angels. Christ has charge over the angels. What does it say? it's, it's one, of the, one of the taunts that came against Christ that, hey, you could command a legion of angels right now to come get you off the cross, right? He could have because he was head of the angels. So they get the grace of being under the charge of Christ himself, God the Son. Not only that, think about this. The angels have never not lived in the presence of God. that's grace. That is a grace that is unbelievable. You see, all of the things that are are true of the angels show God's grace, but they don't show His mercy. So therefore, if mercy is not extended in that area in the same way as grace, mercy and grace are not the same thing. So, let's talk about kind of the mercies that are described in scripture Scripture describes basically three distinct mercies three specific types of mercy are kind of described in scripture and I think as you hear them you'll kind of start to it'll start it'll start to jog in your head okay yeah you know we see that in scripture or we see. You know, that's, that is a mercy, right? The first mercy that we see distinctly described in Scripture is general mercy. General mercy. And what is that? That is the mercy that is extended to all men and all creation. That's just general mercy. How How can we say that mercy needs to be extended to... Man and all creation, well, simply because at the beginning of creation it was all good, and then sin came, and now creation isn't necessarily always good, so the mercy is extended uh, psalm one forty five nine says this: The Lord is good to all, and his mercy." is over all that he has made. So, God, in his infinite mercy, through the way that he created and the way that he upholds and sustains the the entire creation, he provides for the needs of all things. The things that all of creation needs are provided for within creation itself. And not only that, he then sustains his creation. We know that we live and move and have our being in him, right? Not any other way that we live and move and have our being than if God himself has to uphold creation itself, right? So that is the general mercy that we see of God. Well then we also see special mercy. Special mercy. That is the mercy of God to all men regardless of their sinfulness. Special mercy is the mercy of God to all men regardless of their sinfulness. You you'll recognize this, right? Matthew five forty five so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven for he makes his sun to rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust so the systems that god has created to sustain the lives of men are actually held in god's hand as a mercy that he gives and he keeps it all going this is something that we've t- we've actually called common grace, which is actually more like special mercy because it does presuppose sin. Grace necessarily doesn't necessarily presuppose sin. God can be gracious to creatures that sin's not the issue. So God, in his special mercy, has made the world to work as it does that sinners and saints can get jobs that sinners and saints uh, can have food on their table that sinners and saints can have children that is God's special mercy towards us even though we are a fallen man we are born in sin right then we get the good mercy y'all ready for this one sovereign mercy sovereign mercy mercy Sovereign mercy is the extending of salvation to men. In sovereign mercy, God extends salvation to men. And then it goes even it gets even better than that with, with sovereign mercy. He extends salvation to you and then God makes a covenant with you, a covenant of grace right that we are now under not under the law, but under grace, where we say by grace through faith in Christ alone. Christ becomes your mediator, the one that you've always needed to work between you and God, right? And then the Holy Spirit actually comes and sets up a dwelling place inside of you. He dwells in you. And He's with you always, and He's, he's sanctifying you and, and helping you and teaching you and preparing you and pushing you towards Christ, Right? That is all a part of God's sovereign mercy. And it's, it's a beautiful thing. Now, we've got to get to something pretty important here. Because, you know, some would uh, be presumptuous about God's mercy. He is absolutely merciful. We know that, right? Some would presume upon his mercy and think, that, think some things that could get them in a lot of trouble in the end. Um, Pink points out that God's mercy to sinners is only a temporal thing. So that special mercy that's extended to all men, when you die, the mercy's over. That mercy is done. Interesting. So how can we say, let's, let's be expositorily apologetic about this, okay? How can we say then, if his mercy, uh, his special mercy ends for those who are not in Christ when they die? How can we say, in Psalm one thirty six one, that his mercy endures forever. It's a good question. It's a question that you may have to answer one day. Who knows? Somebody may be well versed in the Bible and and not believe like you believe and think that everybody gets in. It's called universalism. That somehow, some way, everybody's going to get in. Well. This is how we can say that His mercy is forever, okay? First, mercy is a divine attribute of God, okay? It is part of who He is. Therefore, He will never, ever cease to be a merciful God. So how does His mercy endure forever? Because He's merciful forever. That is who he is. That is part of something that defines God. That is one of his divine attributes. Secondly, it's the exercise of his mercy that ends. And the exercise of his mercy is regulated by his will. So, the extension of mercy to individuals is controlled by His sovereign will. So God, within His own power and established purpose, gets to decide when and how to act mercifully towards men. After death, only those in Christ will continue in His mercy. That is how he's made it. God dispenses mercies in his way. And truly, um, the mercies will never end towards the objects of his mercy. Who are the objects of his mercy? That's who are in Christ. Pink goes on to say something important about the link between sovereign grace and God's mercy. On page 74 of the book, After of God, he says, It is pure, sovereign grace which alone determines the exercise of divine mercy. God expressly affirms this fact in Romans 9.15. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. It is not the wretchedness of the creature which causes him to show mercy. For God is not influenced... By things outside of himself as we are if God were influenced by the abject misery of leprous sinners he would cleanse and save all of them but he does not why simply because it is not his pleasure and purpose to do so so God bestows mercy based on his sovereign choice And listen, there is nothing within us to make us attract his mercy, to make us more attractive to him. He gives it based on his sovereign grace. What has he said? What does he decide? It is his choice. Titus, chapter 3, verses 4 and 5. It says, But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal Of the Holy Spirit. Let me read that again. Everybody can hear it. Titus 3, verses 4 through 5. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration. And renewal of the Holy Spirit. Basically, God saves us, not because of anything we do, but because of what Christ has done and because of his mercy. He then makes a point about Christ's work and its effect on God's divine mercy. Now here's where we're going deep. So y'all get ready. This is going to be interesting. Okay? Also, on page seventy-four, he said, "Nor is it the merit of Christ which moves God to bestow mercy on His elect; that would be substituting the effect for the cause. It is through, or because of the tender mercy of our God, that Christ has sent here to His people." That's uh, basically from Luke one seventy-eight. The merits of Christ make it possible for God to righteously bestow spiritual mercies on his elect, just as having been fully satisfied by the surety, no mercy arises solely from God's imperial pleasure. This can be hard to understand. Because we need to understand cause and effect, basically, is what we need to do to understand kind of what he's trying to say here. God wasn't moved to have mercy simply because Christ died on the cross. That didn't move him to have mercy. So the satisfaction of God's justice on Christ is not what moves God to have mercy. This is how it goes. The work of Christ is necessary for God to fully exercise His mercy. So in order for God to have mercy on us, the cross of Christ, the atonement, has to happen. It is necessary in order for God to be able to exercise mercy towards us. Now, let's get to it. Many in the progressive church and when it was relevant, the emergent church don't like that. They don't understand it and they hate it. This is the question you'll hear from. They always ask this question as if this is the end-all, be-all of all questions. Why couldn't God just decide to forgive everyone without Christ having to die? Well, why can't monkeys fly out of Garrett's beard? I same effect. The question has the same effect. They don't fly out of your beard. <laughs> Unless, until they finally grow big enough to. First, this, this answer is pretty loaded to this question. They think that this one's going to end the argument. But if we're smart, if we're honest, if we know the Word of God, we can answer this question. First, it overlooks the need for justice. God is just. For Him just to, ah, everything's all right. In the end, everybody gets in. Uh, The Rob Bell book, Love Wins in the End. God's just. Justice must be served. Next, this would cause God to actually go against His own word. How He said things were going to go. It would make God a liar. If after all of the things He said in His word, the way He has done things, the way He has proclaimed things, the way redemptive history has gone, the way the prophets talked, the life of Christ itself, the death of Christ itself, if that's how it goes, then God is a liar. <laughs> also, if that was God, how God wanted to do it, guess what? Jesus wouldn't have died because what God wants is what God is going to get. You see... They call it cosmic child abuse. That's what they say. They say that that God had to punish his son because he was just so angry he had to kill somebody. That is a mischaracterization of what happened on the cross. They try to compare him. Oh, he's some pagan. He, that makes him like some pagan deity who must like sacrifice the virgin or whatever. Here's the thing about the pagan deity. I've talked to you guys about this before. The pagan deity, the pagan little g-god in no story that they have made up has ever been the one to sacrifice himself. Jesus Christ is God. So that's their first problem. They don't understand the deity of Christ, that he is all God, all man, that all of the deity of God would d- d- dwell inside of him. Secondly, they don't believe in the inerrancy of scripture. I think it's just a book about that men wrote about trying to interact with God. Not judging motives, I think. If you listen to what they say that they're trying to do, they say that they're thinking this way of God in order to elevate Him, to, to make Him seem like stronger and more powerful God than what, than what we think, us little folks who believe the Bible. First thing, God doesn't need their help to be the holiest of holy. He is thrice holy. Holy, holy, holy. He is the superlative holy. He doesn't need anybody's help trying to make him be like us and have the same kind of thoughts and and desires as us so that we can think that now he's good because of this. You see, God made the plan before time began. And he executed every part of the plan flawlessly. And God ordains the means of salvation. God ordains the means of redemption. God decides who gets mercy. So I would answer third question of why couldn't God just forgive everybody without Christ having to die? This is how I would answer it. Because God decides how he bestows his mercy. And penal substitutionary atonement, the Very doctrine that helps us understand what Christ has done for us, the penal substitutionary atonement of Christ, is what he chose to do. There needed to be a spotless lamb, and the blood had to be shed. Why? Because sin is much worse than we think, it's cosmic treason. To understand that His mercy does endure forever, Pink starts at an important point here. Let's look at those who do not get His mercy at the end. Who don't get? Who doesn't get His mercy at the end? The wicked, the God hater, the atheist, the one who was who rejected Christ all their life, right? they don't get mercy at the end yet it is actually a mercy that they are cast into hell now here's where your tough thinking has to come in y'all ready okay those who are in Christ should never have to spend eternity with the atheist the evil the God hater because we have dealt with him on earth for our entire lives and we will finally be free of that in eternity. That is the first way, but that's a mercy. Revelation 21, 27 says, not 21, 8, I know that's one of your favorites, Kendo. Yeah. Revelation 21, 27 says, listen, but nothing unclean will ever enter in nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. In fact, God's pulling back of mercy from the wicked is a point of praise for the saint. You want to know how I know this? It says so in the Bible. Revelation 19 Verses 1 through 3, page 1937 in your condensed versions. Revelation 19, 1 through 3. I bet you never thought when I said I was talking about His mercy that it would be this uh, tough, did you? You don't think it would be this hard, did you? You thought it would be all sunshine and rainbows. We're getting there. It is thick. It's deep theology, and we got to understand it. and And I hope that you guys are catching what I'm laying down here, oh, as I God say, syrup. huh? The golden eagle syrup. Yes. The golden eagle. Yes, yeah, hard to get out of the jar, and it's really hard to put the lid back on when you've let it, it out. Died. It tastes good. Put a little butter in there. Mm-hmm. Jesse makes that. That's good too. <laughs> so. Here we go. Let's get off the Golden Eagle serve. Let's get back on Jesus. Hallelujah. All right. Revelation 19, 1 through 3 says, After this I heard what seemed to be a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven crying out. What are they crying out? Listen. Hallelujah. Salvation and glory and power belong to our God. For His judgments are true and just. For he has judged the great prostitute who corrupted the earth with her immorality and has avenged on her the blood of his servants. Once more they cried out, Hallelujah, the smoke from her goes up forever and ever. That's pretty thick. This really destroys the argument of the wicked. If God is real, He wouldn't send me to hell. He's supposed to be merciful, right? Yes, He is merciful. But in Exodus 34, 7, He says this one phrase that people need to listen to. He says, Who will by no means clear the guilty. Who are the guilty? Those whose sins have not been expunged and expiated by Christ on the cross. That's who the guilty are. So who are the guilty? Those who are not in Christ. Those who reject His wonderful, wonderful gift. All the more reason for us to call sinners to repentance. Not to call them to, oh, you're awesome. God loves you. He, he, he couldn't have had heaven without you. We need to call them to repentance because that is how we are truly born again. They will not, to be, a, they will not be able to continue to be presumptuous about the mercies of God. When you presume on His mercy, you are in a dangerous place. I believe it was Spurgeon who talked about the fact that the sinner wouldn't even enjoy heaven in the fallen state anyway. They rejected it all their life on earth. They're not going to want to be in the presence of it when they get to heaven. And then, and let's think about it. You know, we think, you know, Maybe when folks are under the wrath of God eternally in hell, they're going to be begging for mercy. No, they're going to be doing exactly what they did on earth. Only probably louder. Because the wrath of God is going to be poured out. They will continue cursing the God that they cursed while they were on earth. That's what it's going to be like. <coughs> you don't think that they would realize that he's real then? Oh, they know, they're going to know he's real. They're going to, every knee's going to bow and every tongue confess that he's Lord, but guess what? They're not going to praise and worship him in hell. They're not going to beg him for his mercy in hell. They're going to curse. Why'd you do this to me? I hate you. That's what you're going to hear because that's what they do here. And it's going to be multiplied in hell. Here's the thing. Understand, there is only one way to heaven. Period. Christ said it. It is through Him. How do we get to Him? Luke thirteen three. This is actually, I memorized this verse when I was an Assembly of God youth group member in Amory, Mississippi. No, I tell you, but unless you repent you will all likewise perish. No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Sinner, run to Christ. He is truly your only hope. You guys know I say that pretty much every Sunday. we got to say that with our lives. we got to say that with all of our hearts to those that we know that we need to call for repentance. He is. Christ is the only hope. For the sinner. How do I know that? Because he was my only hope. When he saved me. When I repented and trusted in Christ. Let's get to the good part. Y'all ready? But. To us who are in Christ. Christ. Psalm 103.11 Psalm 103.11 says For as high as the heavens are above the earth so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. Steadfast love is the way that ESV translates mercy a lot of times. If you think about it, pretty much the same thing. you will forever be in His mercy. It is absolutely inescapable. From the time you repented and trusted in Christ until eternity, you will forever be in His mercy. Why? Let's look at 1 Peter 1.3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ according to His great mercy. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We will forever be in His mercy because He saved us through Jesus Christ. You want to see mercy personified? Look at the cross. It is necessary for the cross for His mercy to come to us. And I praise God daily that Christ took the punishment on the cross he saved us for one reason because of his great mercy and we should be forever thankful for that mercy and the fact that when we die it's really just the beginning of his mercies towards us And we should pray for the people around us who don't have that. We should speak to the people around us who don't have that. Let's pray. Father God, we are thankful for your mercy towards us sinners. For without you, we have no hope. And through Christ and what he has done, we now have the necessary means to be saved forever we thank you for that father help us never to presume upon your mercy help us always see how merciful you are towards us and help us to share that love and mercy with others we give you thanks and praise and honor knowing that you are the god who has saved us and we forever thank you in christ's name and god we ask that you would help any of those who are not in Christ, who need your mercy. Help us to be the catalyst. Help us to be the voice and the means that some would be saved. That the gospel may change lives. Sinner, if you're listening to this, he is your only hope. Run to Christ and be saved. In Christ's name, amen.